10 years ago, a little boy, 13 years old, by the name of Jimmy Donaldson, began a YouTube channel. And Jimmy later said, you know what, I, I never thought anybody would subscribe to my YouTube channel. Fast forward now, 10 years later, he's 23 years old, and Jimmy has 94 million subscribers just on his main channel, and he's known to the world as Mr. Beast. How many of you have ever heard of Mr. Beast before, or you've seen some videos from Mr. Beast? Yeah, little Jimmy has 94 million subscribers, just absolutely amazing. Now, he started it as a gaming channel, Call of Duty, and various things like that, but that didn't actually catch on. What caught on was him doing in real life things with his friends. In fact, the first thing that went viral for him was he sat and he counted to 100,000. Now, I don't know who would want to sit and watch somebody count to 100,000, but that went viral. And his little channel, it began to grow and grow and grow and grow. And eventually, he started to get some sponsors. And he convinced one of the sponsors to give him $10,000. And what he did with the $10,000 is he found a random homeless person, and he gave it to him. And again, that video went viral. And in fact, that's one of the things I like about him. His estimated net worth now is over $50 million dollars but yet he gives most of it away. Like if you've ever seen some of the things that he does, he'll get like a briefcase, he'll fill it up with a million dollars, he'll find like these like four random strangers, and he says the last person that is touching the briefcase gets to keep the million dollars that's inside of it. Or he's rented entire NFL stadiums, and he'll get like a dozen different people, and he'll say, let's play hide and seek. And the last person that I find, I'll give $500,000 to just absolutely, he just gives this money away. He's given away islands and cars and houses. Absolutely amazing. Now, one of my favorite things that he does is he'll go into a Best Buy or a Walmart or a Target, and he'll put a circle and tape down on the floor, and then he'll get some customers, and he'll say, whatever you can fit in the circle in the next 10 minutes, you get to keep. Now, they're not getting candy bars and putting it into the circle. You know what people are getting, right? They're getting the big screen TVs and the laptops and the Xboxes. They're getting jewelry. He did it at a, a furniture store one time, and he said, here's a, a big circle. And like, they're like bringing whole couches and, and various things into the, the circle. Absolutely amazing. He gives all these things away. Now, one of the things he'll do is at about nine minutes in or so, and he's, he's giving them a, a countdown all the way through, but about nine minutes in, he says, look, you only got one minute left. And what the people discover is this. They actually have more stuff than will fit into the circle that he's given them. And it's in that last minute that they have to prioritize what's really important to me. What am I going to put into my circle? Now, I share all that story with you about Mr. Beast for one very simple reason. All of us in our lives have a circle. In fact, I've put a circle here on this platform today. I know those of you in the room, it may be a little bit harder to see. Those of you online, you're probably seeing it a little bit easier. But we, we all have a circle. And we all have a limited amount of time on this earth. And what we try to do so often is cram as much stuff into the circle as we possibly can. How many possessions can I put into this? How, how much can I cram in in my schedule, in the time that I have? How much can I cram into there? But what we've been talking about in this series called Rhythms of Grace is that when we do that, when we're always just trying to cram more and more stuff into our lives, it leads to this thing that people call now hurry sickness, that literally people get sick, like heart disease and stuff, because we're just trying to do too much, get too much, and it's hurting us. 
And not just physically, but it's hurting us emotionally and mentally and spiritually as well. And so that's why in this series what we're doing, this Rhythms of Grace, is we're learning how did Jesus do it? And how do we learn to walk at the speed of Jesus? Now, a little bit of a spoiler alert here for today's message. By the end, we're going to discover that Jesus is going to say this. If you will put me into the center of your circle, I'll actually expand your circle and give you not just what you need, but all the things that you desire as well. That's what Jesus will do for us. Because as we've been talking about throughout the series, God's math and our math is completely different. When it comes to the tithe, God says, look, if you'll give that first 10% back to me, I will bless the remaining 90% so much more than if you had kept all 100% for yourself. And we talked last week about the Sabbath, that God says, look, if you will give me one day out of every seven, that first day of the week, if you'll give that to me as a Sabbath day of rest, I will actually bless that day so much so that the other six days in your week you're going to get more done. You'll be more productive in the other six days than if you were to continue to work all seven days. Again, God's math and our math is completely different. Now, there is a, a scripture we're looking at throughout this entire series. Hopefully, you're starting to memorize it a little bit. I'm going to read it to you once again from the message paraphrase. It's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, where Jesus says this, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Today, what I want to talk to you about is how do you make your life a little bit more simple? Remember, all of us, we have a circle. And each day, you're deciding, what is it that I'm going to put inside of my circle? And here's the problem. Advertisers out there are bombarding you with thousands and thousands and thousands of ads every single day saying, pick me, pick me, put me in your circle. You can't live without what we offer. Put me in your circle. And so what we've done is we just continue to run and rush and hurry. We're trying to cram all this stuff in. But keep in mind, you have a limited amount of money. You have a limited amount of time. And so to simplify your life means you have got to get very, very serious about prioritizing what is it that needs to be in my circle. What is it that's really most important in life? See, a part of the reason that we're always in a hurry and exhausted and never feel satisfied is we're comparing our circle to other people's circles. And we go, oh, I like what they've got in, in their circle. I want that in my circle. And so we just keep running and, and working and doing all these things, overextending our time, overextending our energy, overextending our finances, all because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Here's what you need to understand. That thing that the Joneses just bought, you didn't even know existed 10 minutes ago. But you see it and you're like, oh, I need that in my circle. And so in only two minutes with two clicks, Amazon will have it on your front door in two days. It's now in your circle. But you know what else you brought into your circle? More debt, more stress, 
more worry, more anxiety, more physical ailments. You have got to be very, very careful about what you allow to go into your circle. We've got to do a better job. There's got to be a better way. Thankfully, there is. Jesus talked about it. So if you have a Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, where we're going to hang out. I do want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us. Right now, you see in the upper right-hand corner of your screen there, a little uh, thing called Talk Notes. If you push that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures here today, as well as the points I'm going to be making. Those of you that are live here in the room, you can pull out your Bible or your smartphone or your tablet. Go to our website, exponential.church, and you're able to access all the same things there, the Talk Notes. Now, let me give you a little bit of context of what Matthew 6 is all about. Actually, Matthew 6 is a part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is going to talk about in this particular part of the sermon is how do you prioritize those things? Of what is it that goes in your circle? What is the strategy that you should have for your life? And so he's going to give us some very, very wise advice. And he's going to start with and just helping us to clarify how we even view money and possessions. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Jesus says this. Don't store up treasures on earth. Moths and rust can destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy them, and thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. You know what Jesus is basically saying? I put it on your outline this way. It's, it's number one there. He's saying, I can't treasure treasures. I can't treasure treasures. When life becomes about putting more and more stuff into your circle, that's a pretty good indicator that your heart is not in the right place. See, Jesus has to be in the center of our circle. He's the first thing in the circle. He wants to be at the center. But what we do is we often push him out because we're constantly in this pursuit of more and more and more and more. You see, the, the problem is we haven't differentiated between needs and desires. All of us need things, right? We need to eat. We need clothes to wear. We need a roof over our head. You need those things. But that's not where we stop, is it? No, we desire that, oh, if I have to eat, I want a filet mignon. I desire if I have to have clothes, then they have to be like name brand designer clothes. We desire that, okay, it's not just a roof over my head. I want the four-bedroom, three-bathroom, two-car garage, the white picket fence, and two little dogs running out in the yard. There's a difference between needs and desires. And it's our desires that so often get us into trouble. You know, I've had the opportunity now to travel to multiple third-world countries. And in every single third world country I've been to, I've been able to actually go into the home of somebody that lives in that third world country. And you know what I mean by home, right? It's four walls and a roof. That's it. That's all they have. Four walls and a roof. If they're lucky, they may have a little bed. But what do we do here? 
we don't just have four walls and a roof, do we? We actually have four walls and a roof with walls inside to make up multiple rooms that we have. And, and we got all this stuff. We got to fill each and every one of those rooms. And we have something unique here as well. They're called closets. What are closets for? To store all the extra stuff that we have. And you know what happens when we fill up our closets? We say, oh, I think that's what a basement is for. I'm going to put more and more and more stuff, store it in the basement. What happens when the basement's full? We go, oh, you know what? We're just going to pull the cars right out of the garage, and we're going to put all of our stuff in the garage. And then now what happens after that? When the garage is full, we start to rent storage facilities. Did you know in the U.S. alone, the storage industry, it's $48 billion per year. Let me say that again. In the United States alone, the storage industry is $48 billion a year to store basically our garbage. It's stuff that we don't even want anymore in our garage, in our basement, in our closets, in our house. $48 billion that we rent to go visit our garbage. I mean, it's like a prison visit. You go in and you're like, Sorry you have to be in here, doing everything I can to get you out, but I think you're probably going to have to stay another year, right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. We haven't differentiated between needs and desires. And so we got all this stuff that's in our lives. Jesus says, don't treasure treasures. And then he explains why. Look at verse 24. He says, You cannot be a slave of two masters. You will like one more than the other or be more loyal to one than the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I've told you before, this is one of my, my, my favorite verses because it amazes me. that God doesn't write, and Jesus doesn't say here that you can't serve both God and Satan. Or you can't serve both God and the world. He says, no, you can't serve both God and money. Why? Because he knew that money would be the number one competitor that he would have for our hearts. That where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. In the 18th century, there was a British missionary by the name of David Livingston. And he had a, a real passion for the nation of, or the, the uh, continent of Africa. And so he, he traveled there to try to win people to Jesus. But what he discovered is that they didn't want him there. He, he went into some areas where literally they were trying to kill him. Multiple times he had to escape for his life. But over time, they began to trust him a little bit. And over time, some of the people began to come into a relationship with Jesus. And eventually, he settled into a particular village with a particular tribe. And then one day, David Livingston passed away. And the people there did something. It sounds barbaric to us, but, but listen to why they did it. They actually cut his heart out, and they shipped his body back to England. And when they were asked, why did you do that? They said, because his body was born and belongs in England, but his heart was here in Africa. His heart was here in Africa. 
Let me ask you a question. If you died and your family and friends, they cut out your heart, where would they bury it at? Would it be at work, in the office? Would it be at the gym? Would it be in front of a, a gaming console? Would it be at your kids' athletic events or other events that they're in? Would it be here at church? If they buried your heart, where would they bury it at? Because wherever they would decide to bury your heart, that says a lot about what you have put into the center of your circle. And what we need to understand is that Jesus says, I want to be at the center. I want your heart to be with me. He says, man, the, the competitor I'm going to have for your heart is your money, your possessions. So you've got to be very, very careful about that. Number two, then, I must trust that Jesus will provide all that I need. The key word, once again, is need. God has promised to give you all that you need. Look at verses 25 to 30. Jesus says, I tell you not to worry about your life. Don't worry about having something to eat, drink, wear. Well, isn't life more than food or clothing? Look at the birds that are in the sky. They don't plant or harvest. They don't even store grain in barns. Yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth more than birds? Can worry make you live longer? Why worry about clothes? Look, look how the lilies grow. They don't work hard to make their clothes. But I tell you that Solomon, with all of his wealth, wasn't as well clothed as one of them. God gives such beauty to everything that grows in the fields, even though it is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. God will surely do even more for you. Why do you have such little faith? You know, when it comes to your life, you can't stress out about the little things. God is going to take care of of your needs. But we've got this whole hurry sickness. We're constantly on the go because there's more and more and more stuff we want to put into our circle. There's more and more things that we want to do to have it as a part of our circle. But we're wearing ourselves out and we've got to stop. Now where does all that come from? Well, at least part of it is, is this stress of, well, I want not just what I need, but I want bigger and better and faster. I want a, a bigger house, a nicer wardrobe, a fancier car. I want the, the newest phone, the biggest TV that money will buy. See, one of Satan's greatest tricks is he's gotten you to be discontent with what it is that you have. You could, like, love whatever it is you have, your car, your phone, whatever. You, you absolutely love it. And then they come out with a new model of it. And immediately you're like, not satisfied anymore with what you have. You're like, no, I, I need the new one. But that is a great trick from Satan. Jesus talked about this discontentment. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against every kind of greed. Life isn't measured by how much you own. You see, the, the more you have, the more stressed out your life is going to be. 
Because what happens is discontentment, it breeds hurry and it breeds impatience in your life. And so your goal should be to cram more and more in your circle. No, your goal should be to get things out of your circle. As followers of Jesus, we should be in acquisition mode. We should be in relinquishing mode. It's not about bringing things in. It's about how can I get rid of as much stuff out of the circle as I possibly can? How can I simplify my life and make it more about Jesus? Because again, when we're just going after stuff and trying to fill up our circle, it leads to bad places. And and listen, I'm not saying that you need to live like a pauper. What I'm saying is this, you know, if God blesses you, great. Just don't chase after those blessings. Don't chase after the things. Don't chase after all of your desires. Learn to be content with less. You see, living life more simply isn't about living with nothing. It's about living with less. I say that again. Some of you need to hear that. Simplifying your life isn't about living with nothing. It's about learning how do I live with less. Jesus continues on then in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verses 31 to 33. He says, don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people who what? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows you need all these But more than anything else, put God's work what? Put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. The promise of God is this, that he will take care of all of our needs as long as we put him first. As long as he is at the center of the circle, all of your needs are going to be taken care of. Now, keep in mind, Jesus was speaking in a day and a time to a crowd that they literally sometimes didn't know where their next meal was coming from. So when he's talking about that God's going to meet all your needs, they, they would have literally thought, oh, he's going to provide my next meal. He's going to provide the, the clothes that I need when my one pair of clothing wears out. He's going to provide shelter for me. So they, they would have thought of it in literally those types of terms. We don't worry about that, do we? Of where is my next meal going to come from or what am I going to wear? Because we've got a whole closet full of things. We have a whole refrigerator full of things. So... We don't worry about those things, but it doesn't mean that we can't learn from what Jesus is talking about here. For example, this whole thing of always putting God first. We get distracted by not the the basic necessities of life. We get distracted by other things in life. And I know I've talked about this a lot recently, but I'm going to keep doing it until it's driven home to you. But one of the greatest distractions you have is right in your purse or in your pocket. This phone. Because it distracts you from putting Jesus first. Because we're constantly on it. Did you know that the average American picks up their phone 150 times in a day? That the average American touches their screen 2,000 times a day? And if you're a part of uh, the millennials or Generation Z, it's actually 4,000 times a day that we're sitting there and we're constantly, we're scrolling social media. We're playing our games. We just keep touching it and touching it and touching it. For many people, this is what is in the center of their circle. 
unknowingly, you, you've pushed Jesus all the way out. It's that stupid phone. It's in the center of the circle. And so we have got to be very conscious. We've got to be, be very aware that, okay, this is a good tool. We, we can use it to do good things. But it is going to distract us. It's going to keep us oftentimes from the things of God and what he would have for us. So, so what, what do you need to do? Well, maybe you need to limit the notifications that you get. Instead of getting notified for every single thing, maybe it's only texts and phone calls. And maybe even then it's only, it's only going to buzz you if it's certain people. Obviously, when you're with your family, when you're with your friends, you're eating, put the phone away. You don't need it. Maybe do what we talked about last week, that on your Sabbath day, one day out of every seven, a day of rest, maybe that's the day you say, you know what, I'm just going to power off the phone altogether. Nobody will be able to access me on that particular day. Maybe you need to do a, a, a phone cleanse, fast from it for two days, five days, a week, two weeks, a month. You realize that 30 years ago, we didn't even have one of these. Like, not, uh, my, my first phone, I was, uh, let's see, that would have been 1989, I got my first cell phone. You know what it was? It was a bag phone. You remember those? It was like a big old bag. I mean, the battery, literally, I'm not even joking. The battery was as big as what this Bible is. And it was in a bag, and you, like, put it over your shoulder, and it had a cord on it, like, and you had to pull it out. You're, like, walking through the mall thinking you're, like, really cool. Look at me. I got the bag phone. And you could only use it, like, if you were in, like, two miles either side of an interstate because that's all the more that the signal would go. And we didn't even know what texting was. What do you mean you're going to, like, push that would be stupid why wouldn't you just call somebody so there wasn't that and and forget about accessing the internet we didn't even have the internet and we survived I'm looking out at most of you that are here and probably many of you that are online you remember what it was like to not have a phone and you survived now again has this made it a little more convenient for things like directions and, and very sure it has but we've got to be very very careful that this isn't distracting us from the things of God Here's what I find very, very ironic. The number one selling phone in the U.S. is still the iPhone. And on the back of your iPhone is a picture of an apple with a bite taken out of it. Satan isn't even being subtle about this. There's actually a visual reminder on most of your phones that this is going to be one of the greatest distractions that you'll have in having a relationship with Jesus. Adam and Eve, they're in a perfect garden, in a perfect place, and they're distracted, and everything fell apart at that point. You've got that little device, and it's doing the exact same thing for you. I'll reiterate once again. Phones in and of themselves are not inherently bad. But guess what? You and I are. We are inherently bad. We all have a sinful nature that wants to pull us away from the things of God. There is this constant urge to to get Jesus outside 
of the circle. And this constant urge of, I'm going to bring everything else into the circle but Jesus. So we've got to learn that Satan is doing everything in his power to distract us and, and rob us from what it is that God would have for us to do. What the phones have done is they've complicated our lives. Because a lot of you, most of the time you spend on your phone is on social media. And you know what social media does? It helps you to become discontent. Because almost every single thing you see somebody post on social media is the filtered version of their lives. You're seeing the highlight reel of their life and comparing it to your life 24-7, 365. And you see them on their perfect vacation. You see them that, you know, they, they took 20 selfies to get the one perfect shot where they look beautiful and fantastic. You're seeing a filtered version of people's lives, their car and their house, and, and you're going, why isn't my life like that? I need all that stuff in my circle. The only thing that you need in your circle is Jesus. Because Jesus says, if you will put me first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all that other stuff is going to be given to you as well. But no, we try to fill up our circle and build up our own little kingdom instead of building up the kingdom of God. Instead of getting people to follow Jesus, we say, no, follow me on social. Like my content. Subscribe to my content. It's all about us instead of being all about him. We've pushed Jesus out. But Jesus' promise to us is this. You have a loving, heavenly Father who wants to give his children gifts. Not just any gifts, but good gifts. So seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all the other stuff's going to be given to you as well. Let me wrap up today by asking you three simple questions. Here's the first one. What do I need to get rid of so it's not so it's not any longer in my circle. What is in your circle that you need to give it away, you need to donate it, or you need to, to trash it, you need to sell it? What is it that you need to get out of your circle? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now and make the decision that I'm going to do something about it today. I'm going to do something about it this week. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to donate it. I'm going to get a lot of stuff out of my circle. I'm going to simplify my life. Second question. What's in my circle that I need to be a better manager of? Some things need to be in your circle. Those basic necessities. So you want to have shelter. And so God says, all right, here, here's a house for you. Here's an apartment for you. But how can you be a better manager of that? What, what, what could you do? Well, one of the things is you could open up your house to host a life group. Or maybe you say, you know what, once a week we're going to open up our home and invite our neighbors in for a meal. We're going to be a better manager of what God has already given us. You know, maybe for you, what, what God has put into your circle and given you more uh, is, is time. Now, again, this whole series about that most of us don't have enough time. We've got to figure out what, what does that look like and how to simplify. But some of you, you have some time. Well, don't use all that time for your own glory. Use that time to, to go out and serve people, 
to help the poor, the homeless, the elderly, the struggling student, the, the single mom. Maybe for you in your circle, what you have access of is, is, is skills of some sort. So ask yourself, okay, how can I be a better manager of these skills that God has given me to, to bless other people? Or, or how can I use these skills to, to help mentor somebody so that they can learn the skill and carry it on even beyond my lifetime? Maybe for you, what you have in your circle is a lot of money. And so how, how can you be a better manager? How can, you, how can you give some away to help other people? Maybe make a vow that every single week I'm going to do one random act of kindness to bless somebody in some way. The third question then is, what's in my circle that distracts me from building God's kingdom? Uh, again, we'll, we'll use the phone as an example. What's distracting you from building God's kingdom? And here's what I would say to you when it comes to you figure out what is distracting you. The first thing you'll do is you'll go back to question number two that I asked you of, okay, it's distracting me, but is there a way I could be a better manager of it? So I'm not saying that to get rid of your phone today. I'm saying just learn to be a better manager of it. Because if, if you're not, it's there in the, the center. It's become an idol. And so if you can't be a better manager of it, then get rid of it. You know, Jesus talked about this at one point. He said, it'd be better for you to, like, pluck out your eyes and enter into heaven without your eyes than your whole body be thrown into hell. And he says, if, you're, if your hands are causing you to say, cut your hand off. Because it'd be better to, to enter into heaven short a couple body parts than to have your whole body thrown into hell. And what I'm saying to you is, it'd be better to get rid of your phone altogether and know that it's not an idol in your life and that you're going to enter into the kingdom of God than it'd be to have your whole, whole body thrown into hell because you're just constantly playing Angry Birds and on social media. When it comes to idols, we have got to be very, very serious about getting idols out of our lives. And so if you can't manage something, because again, the phone itself is not an idol, but the phone can become an idol. And so if you can't manage it, then you better get rid of it. Now, I talked to you the, the beginning about Mr. Beast and how he, he has people, you know, put things into the, the circle and he gives them a warning that, you know, hey, you only got one minute left. Here's what you need to understand about your circle, your life. You don't get that warning. None of us know the day or the hour that either Jesus is going to return again or that death is coming for us. You don't get a warning. And so that's why you've got to decide today, what is it that I'm going to allow into my circle Today, to make the decision that Jesus is going to be in the center. and I'm going to trust him to, to fill it up with what I need. And then as I, I trust him and he is in the center, that he's actually going to expand the circle and then give me some of my desires as well. I heard a pastor once say this. At birth, you look like your parents. At death, you look like your decisions. Say that again. At birth, you look like your parents. At death, you look like your decisions. 
So what decision are you going to make today? Are you going to decide to put Jesus in the center? Are you going to decide to simplify your life, to learn this rhythm of grace that he's talking about? Are you going to continue to just cram more and more stuff in the pursuit of possessions, the pursuit of popularity, the pursuit of power, the pursuit of everything that is the exact opposite of what Jesus would have for you? It's your decision. I choose, or I I pray that you'll choose wisely, that you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things are going to be given to you as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you once again that your word is just so rich with how we can have not just eternal life, but the abundant life right here and right now. And and Jesus, you said that this life, it's not about the abundance of our possessions, What this life is about is having a personal relationship with you, seeking you first. And so, Father, I just pray that everybody that's listening to this or or watching this, Lord, you would speak to their heart right now. What is it that's in their circle that's become an idol? What is it that they, they need to get rid of? What is it that they need to be a better manager of? And then, Father, help them to take the the next step, whatever that may be. Allow your spirit to give them not only the the boldness, but the the courage to to follow through on it. And yes, we know that the world is probably going to laugh as as we start to to downsize our lives. What are you doing, man? What are you doing, woman? Getting rid of all this stuff. Just giving it away. What are you doing? But Lord, help us not to live for the applause of people. Help us to live our lives for an audience of one. That Jesus, it's only you and your opinion that really matters. So Lord, whatever it is that we need to do, help us to do it. Make that decision to do it right now. Jesus, thank you so much that you help us to become the persons that you would have us to be. The people that you would have us to be. but it's still our own free choice, our own free will. So help us to choose wisely. I pray all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.